Welcome to the Wookiee Gunners Rebels Chat with your host, Jonah Marie, and the Skywalker to my Luke. Luke! <laughs> my mom, Maria. <laughs> Rebels Chat is a family-friendly podcast where my daughter and I share impressions, reactions, and our favorite moments of the latest Star Wars Rebels episode. In episode 73, we will be talking about Twin Sons, written by Dave Filoni and Henry Gilroy and directed by Dave Filoni. In Twin Sons, Ezra reacts to a vision of Maul and goes against Hera's and Kanan's wishes in order to travel to a remote planet in hopes of stopping the former Sith Lord from carrying out his plans. This episode was just, you know, a regular episode. There was yeah. nothing special about no, it. No. I don't really see what everyone's talking about. No, no. <laughs> just common. It's, a, it's yeah. just an everyday yeah. episode. I think yeah. we shouldn't even record an episode for it. It's like, oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> this episode was crazy, Mommy! <sighs> oh my gosh! So much to talk about. Let's just jump right into the episode. <laughs> so we have Maul lost in the desert. And he should have died like that, (laughs) just lost in the freaking desert. (laughs) But he didn't, because what's fueling him is his hate and his anger. Man, it's incredible. He Like, (laughs) really, man, calm yourself. (laughs) There's no calming mom, mommy. No, there's none of that. Yeah, he shouts Kenobi's name in frustration, and he's talking to himself. The sun is eating away at him, and then he comes up with this plan. He says, I must draw Kenobi out, tempt his noble heart. So do you think he should have searched, continued to search for Obi-Wan on his own without bringing Ezra into the picture? Because I, I see a lot of people saying that. that they No! Ezra shouldn't have been in the episode. No, 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 no. You see, this is the thing you don't get about Maul. He is going to use whatever tools are available to him. Ezra is a tool. He's been a tool. In, in, not in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. It, no, no, no. Yes. She, he's been a tool. He's a means to an A end. means to an end from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just wants somebody he can use and manipulate. And that is Ezra. That connection that he has to Ezra. And he's going to use it. And honestly, if he hadn't used Ezra, I think it would have been a completely different episode and not as... Satisfying. Satisfying. No, I know what you mean. Ezra had to be in the picture, and I wrote an essay-long review about why he had to be in the picture. You can go read that at (laughs) thewookiegunner.com. But, yeah, Ezra had to be in the picture. He had to be the means to which Maul had to get to Obi-Wan. He's, he's the connection of bringing that story out. Bridger. He's, he's Ezra Bridger. He's the bridge. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, he had to be involved. And Dave Filoni said it in Rebels Recon. There was no way you can find one person on that planet. That's why they spent that time showing you these vast landscapes Obi-Wan wasn't going to come out because Maul needed him. Yeah, no. You know? <laughs> no, no. But he would come out if Ezra was in danger. Him. If anyone and else was in danger, to be so, honest. There we go. There we go. And so he uses the piece of the holocron and he lured Ezra out. And Patty said, my hubby said that he sounded and acted like Gollum or Smeagol oh, yeah. from the Lord of the Rings at the beginning of the episode. Did either of you think about that character when thinking of Maul in those moments? Yeah. 
I was like, oh my God, this guy is obsessed. And then I was like, my precious. <laughs> it's like, oh Laura, so obsessed. Yeah, very obsessed. Very it's like one track mind. Like, like nothing can happen. Nothing else can happen in his life until he gets to Kenobi. Mm. Obviously, the other way can't happen because we already know that Obi-Wan survives into a new hope and, and whatnot. But if in an alternate universe had Maul vanquished him, what would be the next step for Maul? Well, the next step will be to get his real apprentice. Ezra? No. Luke? Luke. <laughs> Luke. Because he does know, he does realize why Kenobi is there. Yes, because he's protecting someone. So he, he does know. He he has that feeling. How would he go and, about finding it? And, and the other obsession other than Kenobi that he has is the, the destruction Sith. of the, the Sith. Sith. Yeah. And to know that the chosen one is there, they all know the chosen one is supposed to be the one to take down the Sith. And we're going to talk about the chosen one thing later on in the episode. So, you know, that would be would have been his next step. Right, right. Yeah, I, I didn't think of Lord of the Rings there, but that's a great comparison. No, no, I, I did for a moment. I, I went like, I, I pulled my, my hands in front of me like, my precious, <laughs> my Kenobi. My Kenobi. <laughs> and so then you have Ezra in pajamas. <laughs> yes. This is like one of my favorite parts of the episode. <laughs> Ezra's pajamas. Ezra's in pajamas. And, you know, obviously this is, it's hard for them to get the resources to change the characters out of their normal, normal attire. attire. Zeb, unfortunately, was wearing his armor <laughs> when sleeping. I was I was going to say that. What? Zeb doesn't use pajamas? <laughs> no, it's obviously the result of having little resources, but it feels like Zeb would be the kind of guy to sleep in armor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to be ready on he the ready. He probably came from a, a hard night. Oh, that's know, true. Uh, and just knocked out. And out and, 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 and on bed. His, yeah. 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 We've all done that. Yes. Yes. And Ezra wakes up and he starts to hear the message from the holocron playing repeatedly yes. in the background. And I honestly don't understand how Ezra sleeps with Zeb snoring. I don't I don't get it. <laughs> After a while you fall. It, really? Yes. If you're tired enough you fall. That's true, I guess. Papa used to our, yeah. my dad used to snore all the time. It oh was, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah. And so he gets up and he goes to Kanan's room where the holocrons are located and he sees Obi-Wan's holocron message talking and, and repeating itself. The Sith holocron, though, starts to light up, and he hears Maul's voice screaming out, the Kenobi! Yes. <laughs> it reminded me of Visions and Voices when Maul showed up on Adelon, and there was that connection that they shared. Mm -hmm. So it must be that that connection wasn't severed. So, no. And remember, that was one of the questions yes. that we got, was it whether they were officially separated. No, no, they were still, they were still connected. They both had the vision. So even when they realized what the vision meant, that did not took away what happened between them. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When Ezra is on his way back to Maul's ship in the end, he felt Maul die. Well, he does say it. Did, he does say There's it. There's no so. other way for him to know Maul die other than he felt it. Yeah, I wonder if it was like a relief, like a breath of fresh air. And then Kanan appears at the doorway, uh, and Ezra says Maul's back. 
And it, it kind of reminded me of in Harry Potter when the Minister of Magic sees Voldemort. Yes. And then he says, says he's, he's back. back. <laughs> and, and Patty asked, wonder why Kanan was not in his room when Ezra got woken up by the holocron message. They have shifts. They have watches and things yeah, to do. Yeah, the shifts to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Elisa, my, my friend, mentioned that Sato and, and Rex were there. So maybe they were already having a meeting, meeting. in process. Uh-huh. And um, Kanan must have felt the disturbance. Yes. Yeah. And that's why he came in. He came in, yeah, yeah. Or some other people like to think that he was sharing intimate moments with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, you know, a girl likes to dream. <laughs> and so he and Kanan end up telling Hera, Rex, and Sato that Maul's back. And Chopper sort of inserts himself into this, this, this yes, meeting. This, yeah. <laughs> and Kanan doesn't know. He doesn't know what it means. Ezra, on the other hand, believes that it's about Obi-Wan and the fact that he's in danger. That prompts Rex to say, Ezra, no one would like to believe General Kenobi is alive more than I would. But Senator Organa confirmed his death. And it was so sad when he said yes. that. Because they were good friends, you yes. know. They, they fought side by side. Yeah. But Ezra still believes that it has to do with Kenobi. The fact that he heard Maul's voice is a clue to him that he's in danger. Patty asked, why did Senator Organa not tell Rex that Obi-Wan was alive, but told Mon Mothma that he was? One of the questions either we will get an answer to or not from Lucasfilm, what do you both think the reason is? So I don't think Bale told Mon Mothma. In Rogue One, she knew of a je- of his Jedi friend, but I don't know whether she knew any specifics. And if she does, I it must have been covered in the books, and I actually haven't gone through all that material to know. I important and magnificent as Arexis, he is not the level of person that you will tell that type of secret. Especially yeah. being that Obi-Wan is guarding what he's guarding. Yeah. Now, Mon Mothma, on the other hand, she's, she's the rebel leader. Either, and she is up there with Organa. Mm-hmm. So that could have been... The reason. Yeah, 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 a more stronger relationship in terms of politics and yeah. what needs to be known and what doesn't need to be exactly. known. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, I don't need think she to know knows. Basis. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she knows that detail, that it's Kenobi. Oui. I think she just knows that there's a Jedi. I'll have to investigate further to see. If anyone knows, please tweet us and we'll retweet it. And then Hera says that it could just be a broken recording. But it's interesting that Hera would just dismiss it as that. Because in the past, she would tend to give weight to these things. Like at the very early of season one, when Kanan often sought her advice when it came to teaching Ezra. Yeah. She seemed to be very supportive when yeah. it came to those type of... Well, the situations have changed, you know. It's, it's totally different now. And, and the priorities have shifted. Yes. Especially when when it comes to Ezra, to just one more time with Maul, you know, it's like too many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I understand why she just wanted to make light of it and let it go. Mm -hmm. She had a personal experience with Maul when he extracted information out of her mind. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely doesn't want herself, her team, and Ezra dealing with that character. Kanan reminds him that Maul's voice 
he's heard it before and that Maul played tricks on him. But Ezra wants to go back to Tatooine. He's very adamant about going. And Hera wants to have a private word with him. And this is this is where it gets serious. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, she says, we're training for the attack on Lothal and nobody knows that place better than you. And it's true. Ezra knows it like the back of his hand. That's his home. But Ezra wants Hera to see that Obi-Wan can be useful to the rebellion. So I really liked this moment because Hera and everyone else is focusing on the Lothal factory. It's a very small target. And Ezra is focusing on the bigger picture. He wants Kenobi for the rebellion. Yes, he loves Lothal. He knows it. He wants to protect it. But he's thinking of the galaxy. As a whole, not not just one part of it. One little piece of it. And I wrote in my review that he's biting a lot more than he can Can chew. Yes. Hera says, if he was alive, do you think he would be hiding on some backwater world instead of helping us? (laughs) And I'm like, Well. well... Yeah, you're kind of right. Depends on what is it that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And do you think Ezra is being reckless when he chooses Obi-Wan over Lothal? No, Ezra is being Ezra. (laughs) But what does that mean? (laughs) He cares. He cares. He He cares. cares. Yeah, yeah. He follows his instincts. He just doesn't let the status quo define what he does and how he does it. Yeah. He goes with his gut. Yeah. And his gut was telling him, you need to do this. Yeah. I Actually, my next point was, haven't people ever had a gut feeling to do something despite what everyone else says and just go for it? Of course, uh, everyone we've all has been in that situation, one point or another. Yeah, and whether it comes out great or it comes out bad, we learn something from it. Yeah, if it comes out great, we learn to be adventurous. If it comes out bad, we become cautious, cautious extreme cautiousness. Yeah. So one or the other, but it always happens, and we always try it. It's part of who we are, and Ezra cares. I think sometimes he cares too Too much. much. Yes, I think that's his problem too. And (laughs) I've suffered from that a lot. And a lot of people take it as he doesn't care about the ghost crew. That he's willing to leave them behind on their own to do something They're not on their own. This is another thing. I understand why Hera said that to him, but let's be realistic. He's not the only person from Lothal that knows Lothal. You have Ryder Azadi Exactly. Who better than the governor or whatever he was? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. He's not really the only only one. I know what she said it because he needs to feel important. He's we all need to feel important. We and all need to feel part of the puzzle. And this is her way of pulling him in, but the thing is that his ability to empathize with more than just those around him to see beyond that which is around him at the moment is growing it's part of who he is and right now at this very moment to him that is the most important thing that he can do to bring this man into the rebellion 
to recruit him to help with the rebellion. And this was never, and I feel like some people get the impression that this is him wanting to be cool or no, he's that was always never been, been like that. That's he's never always, been his agenda. He's always being risky. He's always taking risks because he cares, because he, he, he wants to do something. Yeah. And like you said, he cares too, too much. much. And so the next day, brand new day, Ezra's hauling some munitions for the A-Wings. And there's a rebel pilot there. And Ezra mentions AP-5, and the pilot says that he's like a calculator. <laughs> and, and then you, Ezra asks if any of the ships are fully loaded. And he is pointed to the trainer ship, and he takes his chance, and he goes for it. And who's waiting in the background? Chopper. It's just so, so funny. Because he's watching him from the back, like putting his head outside, like, what are you doing? Where are you going? My question is, how the heck did Chopper got to that shape before Ezra? (laughs) He is stealthy. That is a stealthy droid. Just like cats. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how did you do that? It's the magic of animation. (laughs) And so do you think Chopper should have gone with him? What was the purpose of Chopper being with him? I think personally it was a reminder that there are people who are very loyal to him. And when Chopper's battery died, that's when he realized I made a big mistake. mistake. And I turned Which my otherwise back. Otherwise, he could not. He, yeah. he would not have had arrived to if had he had been in a, alone. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I, I also see it as there has to be some comedy relief. Yes, and he in, is it, and he is it. Yeah. <laughs> he is Chopper it. with the, his the, sighing and whatnot. Uh, the, <laughs> there has to be uh, something to let the tension here and there, yeah. so that it doesn't really explode. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? and. I I love that it's also a parallel to Luke and R2-D2 yes. going to, to Dagobah yeah, yes. to find Master Yoda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very similar in that way. And from the beginning, they keep drawing this parallel oh, yeah. between these two uh, characters, mm-hmm. Luke and Ezra. Mm-hmm. AP-5 would have been too much. No, AP-5, no. And he would have never done it, you know? Oh, Ezra would have left him behind intentionally. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so no, um, Shopper was the right, the right one. Way to go. And so you have him entering the ship, and the rebel pilot realizes and is trying to get him to come out of the ship. And then and, you have uh, Ezra, Ezra. Like, what? 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 What's that? <laughs> I, can't, I can't hear you. <laughs> I um, love that moment so much. <laughs> Like, sorry, I, 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 I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and so he takes the ship, and this part, I feel like people completely glanced over. He says, Hera, I hope you can forgive me. He is very aware of what he's doing, and he's thinking about others. I don't find that arrogant at all. No, uh, arrogant would mean him saying something like... I don't care what Hera says. I I know I'm right. Yes. That would have been arrogant. Yes. But that's not what he says. He says, I I hope you can forgive me. Yeah. Because he knows he's doing something wrong. He knows it. He knows he's doing something against everybody else's wishes and orders for that matter. So he realizes that he has stepped beyond. He he has taken that step of no return, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. 
And come on, we all done that. We've all done it. <laughs> we, we all done it. <laughs> where, where, where we get to a point where, where we say, oh, boy, what have I done? <laughs> like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And you try to back it out, but mm, no. you cannot do it. You have to go for it and finish it off. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You have to go forward, like what he said to Chopper. So they arrive at Tatooine, but the thing is, when did he learn that the planet was Tatooine? And Patty had a similar question. She said, how did Ezra know that the reference to a planet with twin sons was Tatooine? And I believe you pronounce it Timv. Timv sent us an email saying, hi, Jonah. I love your show. My question is, how and when did Ezra learn that a planet with twin sons is Tatooine? What do you think? So several people have thought about this. And they're like, wait a second. How did he know it was Tatooine? Because last time he said twin sons, a planet with twin sons. So I'm curious to know as well. It might be like what we talked about last time. It might have been AP5 and his database of planets. Mm -hmm. Something off screen. But I'm sure he and Kanan must have taken some time to search databases and stuff. One of the the clues that I think it It got mentioned... One, it was a disappointment. It was when it all when where it all began. That's true. So you could also think of looking into the history of where did Maul, you know, where this whole thing came back. I wonder how that would you know have been what documented. I'm you know, I know what you no, mean. No, but yeah, yeah. there has to be, you know, some scribe <laughs> Of course, is you know, information is key. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Something must be somewhere. Mm. And Maul did say back to where it all began. So, mm. yeah. Okay. You know, there were different clues. You you have a Twin Suns, you have a Desert Planet, you have where, where it all, all began. began, and you have Rex. Yeah, that, maybe that, that he might have some, known. Yeah. Some history there. You know, things can be put together. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Uh, maybe we'll get an official answer on, on Rebels Recon. But you know, with tenacious research, you can find things. Yeah. Look at all the things that we know from ancient civilizations just from looking at some bones. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and then Chopper scares him because he came oh, out of nowhere. <laughs> that was awesome. And he ends up knocking his head against the window. Chopper. <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> and then since he has no choice. He has Chopper assist him by navigating while he focuses on Obi-Wan's location using the holocron pieces. And they end up landing, and Ezra tells Chopper to stay in the ship. Chopper's like, no problem. (laughs) And this is a funny part, because you jump into a ship with somebody that is trying to run somewhere, and now you're all like, "Mm, I'm going to stay behind. Really? Come on. (laughs) Why you did it in the first place? Chopper's Chopper. He has his reasons. (laughs) And then Ezra, he's using his holocron pieces, and he's led to another Sith holocron piece, and he figures out that it's a trap. And I love this part because when he says that, there's a Tuscan Raider at the very top of it. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Oh, Ma, you scared me, Ma. Ma. Oh, my God. That's not how they sound. They sound to me. You scared me for real. 
but you you see the Tuscan Raider at the top, and and they end up shooting at Ezra, but Ezra just moves his head to the side. I was like, Ezra, you're so cool in that moment. That was so so awesome. <laughs> he just dodged it like no like nobody else's business. Like you didn't dodge my oh. oh that was that was scary, mommy. I think it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh. <laughs> and so you know the Tuscan Raiders end up attacking, and Ezra is attacked by one of them, and and Chopper ends up assisting him, and it's very similar to again Luke, Luke. Mm-hmm. when he gets attacked by the Tuscan Raiders in A New Hope, and unfortunately for Ezra and Chopper, the ship explodes. So now how are we going to get back home? Yeah, yeah. And I love that Ezra ended up covering him when yes. the explosion happened. Sadly, for the rest of the Tuscan Raiders, they were all killed, killed by Maul. Anakin style. Anakin style indeed. Very scary callback yeah. to that moment. So they have no choice but to go forward. And Patty said, Sand people, Tuscan Raiders, I did not expect a confrontation with these classic characters. Why did Ezra not use his lightsaber or blaster when confronting them? Maybe he was too busy protecting Chopper? What do you think? So I, I think it was because they caught him by surprise. It was dark. There was no way for him to look to see where they were originating from, from the top of the, the hills. Yeah. So he had to run for cover. And in doing so, he got attacked by one of them. So he was trying to use his hand so he couldn't really get to his lightsaber. So it was one of those instances where he had no choice but to engage in physical a fight. So, yeah, and then Chopper, thankfully, came to the rescue. And so Ezra decides that going through the sands is not a good idea. And this is true, Ezra. Going through the sands would have been a very bad idea, which, as we see, was a bad idea. When they actually walked through that arc, it reminded me of pod racing. Yes. And I thought, man, I wonder if that was actually used for pod racing. Because it just goes straight into the vastness where you could definitely see races of pod racing. Chopper agrees that that's not a very great idea. And he says that it's very bad for droids. (laughs) And unfortunately, Ezra sees a vision of Maul calling to him. He asks Chopper if what he saw was real. And Chopper looks and he doesn't see Maul. Mm Mm-mm. But the holocrons tell him that he has to go through. He has to go that way. And again, he's very desperate to find Kenobi because Kenobi is the key that he's been looking for this entire time. And so Ezra tells Chopper to follow the ridge, you know, find a settlement and call home base. And then you have Chopper almost going towards the direction he told him. But then he looks at him. He looks at the ridge. He looks at him. He looks at the ridge. And then he sighs. <laughs> I have to do the right thing here. <laughs> and I love that he grumbles along uh-huh, the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> like this kid, he's going to be the death of me. Yes. And so I have a question from Ken. Ken said, Twin sons made me cry in the best way possible. Question for the podcast. Can droids have feelings or simply logic routines? Chopper was expressing many feels this episode. I think droids as quote-unquote person has to be one of the most interesting themes of Star Wars. Droids are supposed to be a reflection of who we are. Yes, I remember you have saying that before. That's what they are all about. It's our fascination with ourselves and with duplicating who we are and what we are in a different way that is not procreation, but creation. Mm. So droids are that. 
I don't doubt that maybe there's some emotional subroutines mm -hmm. in there, but I see it more as a set of routines that are made to, to mimic and emulate what a person will do and how a person will react at the moment. Because you need to understand, not all droids do this. No, no, this is true. I'm pretty sure that the more the interaction, the more learning. And you're correct, because R2-D2, and Ahsoka said it, the reason why they don't wipe him often is because he's helpful in situations where he actually remembers, remembers. and he's himself. Yeah. Whereas if you wiped him completely, uh, it's just a blank slate, so, and that's not useful. And, and, and they've been created, because they are the creation, mm -hmm. they're being created to emulate and to learn from their programming and, and their surroundings. Right. So I don't doubt that there's some type of consciousness, because what is consciousness? Consciousness is not just the knowing you're alive, it's also the ability to, to relate The more you learn, the more you relate. And Chopper has learned a lot. He, mm -hmm. And he's related a lot. So he has more of these little nuances that make a person a person. Mm -hmm. And that's why he looks like a person yeah. rather than a droid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't doubt that AP5, as he evolves and gets more and more exposed to the rebels, he will also start giving those nuances yeah. more than just the simple sarcasm that he does right now. Yeah, I agree. And so, you know, they're walking through a sandstorm of all things. <laughs> he can hear Maul's voice saying, draw him out, your pain, your sorrow, it calls to him. So I was curious, what pain and sorrow is Ezra feeling in those moments? The desperation of being alone. Yeah. Uh, possibly dying. Dying. Not doing what he was supposed to. to do, yes. That's what was so, in my mind. You know, yeah. The fear of A failing. Failure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very overwhelming. Yeah. And... The, you know, they're both covered in sand. And I know Patty had mentioned that this was a really cool detail to them. Yeah. The fact that they're all covered in bits and pieces of sand. And Ezra is starting to suffer from the effects of the sun and dehydration. Obi-Wan had mentioned something about how I haven't... I haven't survived this song by being foolish and unprepared. <laughs> and he, yeah. he was totally foolish and unprepared, unprepared going into the desert without yep. water. And then poor Chopper ends up powering down. down. And that was so sad because then you have him saying, this is my fault. I should have just stayed home. I don't know what to do. And he recognizes that he did a mistake. And I, I know we've mentioned this before, but not a lot of people do it. And if, when they do realize it, They're too proud to say anything. It. Exactly. And, and knowing when you make a mistake and admitting when you make a mistake, making yourself and those around you aware that you made a mistake is how you learn. Yeah. How not to make the same mistakes in mm -hmm. the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people are like, well, I'm so tired of Ezra making the same mistakes over and over and not learning from them. Mommy, I wrote a paragraph that, oh my God, it should, be, it should have been an essay all on its own, <laughs> where I laid out from season one to season three, everything that he's done, and not once was it a the repeated mistake. No, we all have to learn to 
create behavior patterns is part of who we are. And those are done by testing, by doing things. Some will be mistakes, some will not, but that's the only way. Ezra has always learned from his mistakes. And all the things he's done are not necessarily the same thing. The same thing, exactly. And I feel like he does one mistake and people take that and somehow multiply it by 10 in their heads. And they think that he's doing the same thing over and over again. When in reality, he's not. And you simply have to go to StarWars.com, scroll through the list of episodes, and remember in each one what happened, and you'll realize that Ezra... The only time he's defied Hera in this whole season, the only other time, was at the very beginning in season in season three when he took those Y-Wings. And he realizes his mistake and he got punished for that mistake. And this is this is the only other time that he does it. And he apologizes. He says, Hera, I hope you can forgive me. He didn't do that before. Yep. Come on, people. <laughs> and so Ezra hugs Chopper close and he sits beside him to wait. I don't know what, I guess, wait for his end. And then he hears Maul's voice again saying, he's dead. He's dead. You led me to him. You failed your friends. And that's something, again, that's what he fears. And he's forcing Ezra to feel that pain, to feel that sorrow. And, you know, Maul pretends to attack Ezra and Ezra ends up, attacking back but it was just a mirage it wasn't there and he ends up falling onto the flat on his face and nighttime comes around and Ezra wakes up by the fire and sees Chopper charging himself he has a little unit beside him and then all of a sudden he sees Obi-Wan tending to the fire Obi-Wan says you're in the wrong place Place, Ezra Ezra Bridger." Bridger But how does he know Ezra's name? He's probably talked to Chopper already. Yes, he, that's everyone's response is, oh, Chopper talks. Chopper oh, talks. Oh, yeah. Chopper, <laughs> Chopper said a lot. <laughs> Trust me. Chopper talks is actually Cho- his podcast. Chopper divulge <laughs> secrets that no one else knows. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can tell you exactly where we're located, how many we are. <laughs> oh, Chop. And the other the other thing that went through my mind was Yoda because that too, they're, because in communication. they're in communication. Yes. Yeah, because he is learning the ways that Yoda is currently and, learning and, and, and Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon had learned. Mm-hmm. So maybe they have remember way way back I said they had like some force Skype or some uh-huh. force Skype, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to point out the fact that notice that Ezra says Master and Master Kenobi and not Obi-Wan because in A New Hope, Ben Kenobi says Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan. Now there's a name I've not heard in a long, long time, a long time. And then he also says, I haven't gone by the name Obi-Wan since, oh, before you were born. So they purposefully evaded the whole Obi-Wan name. So that he that line actually makes sense. Yes. Because he said Kenobi, but he didn't say Obi-Wan. And Ezra tells him that he came to warn him against Maul. That was his intent this whole time. He had two intentions, to warn him and to bring him to the rebellion. And Obi-Wan says, one doesn't survive as long as I have by being foolish or unprepared. (laughs) And Ezra suggests that they can fight Maul together. But that was never Obi-Wan's intent, but now he has no choice. And Ezra tells him that he's the answer, the key to destroying the Sith, 
And Obi-Wan's like, it's the first I've heard of it. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm not the one. <laughs> because he doesn't. And, and, and like, that's the thing. And, and, and like he tells Ezra, you hear what you, you want to hear. You believe what you what want to believe. What is easier to comprehend yes. at the moment. He is not really the key. He's the one guarding the key. Right, right. <laughs> So Ezra says, the rebellion needs you. We need you to defeat the Empire. Obi-Wan re in response says, what you need, you already have. Unfortunately, you seem to be letting it all go. And how I explained it was, Ezra, when he saw what he saw, he was given a set of facts. Planet, person, and it was his interpretation and Maul's, and Maul's interpretation that influenced him and made him think that Obi-Wan was the key. And this whole entire season, he's been wanting Obi-Wan because that's what he believed. That's what he wanted to believe. And all of a sudden, Obi-Wan tells him that that's not the case. Thanks. This whole entire time, you've been seeing it the wrong way. And to me, that that's like someone coming up to you and telling you that you're not who you are. And that you're completely somebody else. And, and that changes your perspective entirely. Then you see it in his face when he says that Maul's been influencing you. And I wrote in my review that Hera couldn't tell him that. Kanan no. couldn't tell him that. He had to, to hear, hear that from, from Obi-Wan. Because that was the point he was guiding himself to. You know, he, he, he wanted to believe that. He wanted to get there. And now that he's there... It had to be Obi-Wan, the person telling him. Telling him. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Ezra asks, but the holocrons, they sent me to you. And this is where he says they didn't. Maul did. Maul used your desire to do good to deceive you. And in doing so, he has altered the course of many things. He knows your fears, your heart, and he manipulated the truth, which has led you here where you should never have been. Ezra, being Ezra, insists that, okay, the holocrons told me the truth. And he says, do they? The truth is often what we make of it. You heard what you wanted to hear, believed what you wanted to believe. And he, in a way, convinces Ezra that what he's looking for isn't real. It, it is. But it's in there. It, it, it's not Obi-Wan. But it's not Obi-Wan. And, and he purposefully makes it so that Ezra never finds out the truth. Yeah. Dang it, Obi-Wan. <laughs> From a certain point of view, yeah. <laughs> the truth is real. And then Maul shows up. That was so cool the way they did that. Oh, my gosh. And then very quickly, I wanted to say what I love most about this scene is that you have two generations sharing the same space. You have Ezra, who represents a new and younger audience, and Kenobi, who represents you know, more wisdom and growth. And something else that stood out to me is that Ezra is fighting for hope, and he's out there in the thick of it, whereas Obi-Wan is protecting, protecting that, that hope. hope. And that really stood out to me in that moment where they were sharing that space together. And then you have Maul being Maul. <laughs> <laughs> you have Obi-Wan telling Ezra to go. This is not his fight. But Ezra feels compelled to make it right because he's the one who introduced Maul, oh. reintroduced Maul into the series. And he understands that he's made a mistake and wants to fix it. And Obi-Wan tells him that that's not his responsibility and that I will mend this old wound. wound. Oh, 
Oh my God, the the poetry. Yeah. <laughs> Ezra goes without complaint. I love this. He just goes, doesn't make a fuss, doesn't re- respond back to Obi Wan. He understands now that his focus should be where the Phoenix Squadron is. It shouldn't be on the larger picture. That's not his responsibility. Maul. <laughs> he says, see you soon, apprentice. Ah, <laughs> uh, Maul. <laughs> and Megan said, I liked Ezra's journey through the episode. I think it gave him a better understanding of what his purpose is and when he should think before he acts. He's still a teenager and sometimes has to learn through experience. I thought it was a really interesting parallel to A New Hope, when Ezra was attacked by the Sand People like Luke was. They were both trying to find Obi-Wan and the Sand People almost messed that up. (laughs) Was Ezra being on Tatooine necessary for Maul to find Obi-Wan? Maybe not, but this is his story too. So obviously the writers felt it necessary. So yeah, I just wanted to emphasize that Ezra had to be there. Yeah. Not only to bring this moment together, but also to learn his purpose in the overall story. And Maul says, look what has become of you, a rat in the desert. Uh, I, he, he just goes for the insult. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And ch- the degradation. He tries to, to degrade. Yeah. Because he doesn't know anything, anything else. else. And Obi-Wan, look what I've risen above. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obi-Wan, he says, if you define yourself by your power to take life, a desire to dominate, to possess, then you have nothing. Oh, and that that was insulting to Maul. Yeah. He ignited his savor in response to that. And Maul's curious as to why Obi-Wan came to Tatooine in the first place and figures out that his purpose is to protect not something, but but someone. someone. And that's when Obi-Wan lights up his savor. He's not playing anymore. He's like, you're not getting out of here, man. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope, you figured it out. You're going to go down. <laughs> and so, you know, they have a standoff. And that seemed like it was like five minutes long <laughs> before the actual fight happens. And that turned out to be like five seconds long. <laughs> but I love the way that they explained it in Rebels Recon. In their head, they were playing it out one against the other. And when it came down to the actual fight, Maul was still stuck where he was 20, 20 years, years ago. ago. Or more than that, I think. I just loved it. It was like three strikes and he was down. Um, and very samurai-like. And also very gunslingers. Yep. Like quick draw. Yep. Uh, that was very Western-like to me. In addition to the whole samurai element. Again, a lot of people have pointed out that it was parallel to Qui-Gon and how Maul had used the same move to try to get Kenobi the same way. He gets hit. He falls. And Maul wants to know if he's protecting the chosen one. Obi-Wan tells him the truth. Maul's response is, he will avenge us. They both have been wronged by the Sith. He was twisted and his life was taken away. Everything was taken away from him. Obi-Wan, he also happened. the same thing. Yeah. Amy asked, what do you think Maul's final words meant? Did he find the hope he was seeking in Holocrons of Fate? Did you guys cry? I did. (laughs) I I didn't cry. I didn't cry either. I didn't but cry. I, but I did feel sorry. But I did feel sorry. Yes. Because this is a very sad, sad person. A very sad life. Yes. Sadly. You know, spent yeah. in, in, with anger and and desire for revenge. For revenge. Yeah. And that's all he's ever known. known. And, and 
And he, uh, he, there were so many other opportunities, but they were never given to him. He never sought them out. So it was very sad, but also very revealing in how they both were looking for the same thing. thing. Yes. I found it remarkable that Maul realized that he and, and Obi-Wan were sort of the same. same. To me, you don't see that in a lot of villains or people who are meant to be villains. And that, that was just, that's what made it sad. The fact that he re- he knew he that. Knew that. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, Maul dies in Obi-Wan's arms. Just like Qui-Gon had died in Obi-Wan's yeah, arms. Same. Then Ezra arrives back on, on Adalon using Maul's ship. So he took a little ship and then brought back an even bigger ship. <laughs> and Zev says, tell me this means what I want it to mean. <laughs> and Ezra says, we won't be seeing Maul again. So why do you think Ezra didn't say Obi-Wan's alive? Like, why wasn't that his first set of words? Because he obviously has to keep it a secret for the sake of the story. Because he's understanding more his role. Okay. He's understanding more that that it wasn't Obi-Wan. That's not where he should concentrate his thought on and put his, his efforts on. That is his family, his... Little ghost crew, you know, his planet, Lothal, that's where he should be. So I think that at this point, it doesn't matter if anybody knows Obi-Wan is alive well, or not. The thing is, Rex, remember earlier in the episode, he felt you know, saddened by the fact that Obi-Wan was gone. Yeah, but he knows there's, there's something bigger. His instincts tell him so, that there's yeah, something there's bigger? Yeah, there's something more. It, it's not just hiding. That's true. Somebody like Obi-Wan will not just turn his back. back. So he kind of put it together. Yeah. So in learning about himself, he learned about Obi-Wan. So it's sort of like Maul then because Maul figured it out. So it makes sense that Ezra will figure it out as well. Yeah. That there's a purpose to why Obi-Wan's there. I may not know it and I should just keep it my mouth shut. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I, and Ezra's mature. So I enough. already put Obi-Wan in jeopardy yeah. once. Once. I'm, I'm not, not going to do, do it, it again. again. That is a fantastic point. Yeah. Oh, my God, Mommy. See, this is what I've been waiting for, for us to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and Megan asks, how did Obi-Wan know who Ezra was? And does he know about Kanan? Uh, and do you think Ezra told Kanan and the others about Obi-Wan? Oh, yeah. So we basically answered it. Yeah. How, or Skype. Yeah she, yeah. she said, how, how else would he explain what happened to Maul if he can't say that Obi-Wan? I guess, I guess they have to take his word for it. Yeah. And, and the thing with this group of people, I don't know if anybody has noticed this. They don't have to say much. Yeah. They're, they're the group they, where... They, they take themselves... At their worth. And you say, that's it? That's the truth? That's all we need to know? That's all we need to know. I don't need to know anymore. This is true. It's sufficient yeah. for me that you said that is, that's it. Mm-hmm. Very confidently as yeah. well. Yeah. So, so um, this group doesn't need to tell themselves every little bit of secrets and stories and everything. They respect each other. They understand each other. They care about each other. And... They wait for the moment where each one of them is willing, able, and ready to say more from what they have already have said. Yeah. And Ezra apologizes for running off and says that he was wrong. He says this to everyone. And then he says, this is where I'm supposed to be. You're my family and we should go home. 
Chopper's little arm. Oh, my God. They were all, like, being yeah. so family-like. <laughs> and this is where it all broke down for me in terms of people. You have Team Ahsoka, who is an t- uh, awesome Twitter account and website. She wrote, I'm bound to be slaughtered for this. <laughs> but had Ahsoka done this, she would have been assigned to library guard duty. Seriously, though, I feel Ezra should see the consequences of his decisions a little more often. We had a bit of it at the start of the season, which I enjoyed, but he seems to get away with murder a lot of the time. And here are some other comments before we talk about it. Some other people said Ezra just stole a ship at a critical time and gets a group hug. Ezra constantly breaking rules without consequence kind of reinforces shucks boys will be boys gross media narrative show this recklessness and selfishness as a flaw with consequences and you've got a character kids can learn from Uh, another quote is it's so frustrating to have Ezra's recklessness constantly validated by the narrative so my ultimate question to you is do you think Ezra gets away with with the things that he does and should he have gotten punished for what he did (laughs) mommy your face you're like no (laughs) I can't. I can't deal right now. <laughs> people, you're the parent. You, okay, you, you know what to do. <laughs> people are gonna think. What are they? Oh gonna yeah, think? of course. Nothing we say is gonna, gonna deter. It. It's gonna no. change. I've them. I've known this. I've realized this. None of those comments have any validity to me. Mm. To me. Mm-hmm. The first one. Basically, they all has have the same the, the the same theme that Ezra is a spoiled brat that does whatever he wants and doesn't pay the consequences. That is not true because everything he's done has had a consequence and he's seen it and he's experienced it. Consequences doesn't mean that you are gonna draw blood and die or have somebody die. That is not always a consequence and should be the only consequence of your actions that helps you and deters you from doing stupid things. There's smaller consequences. There's all smaller little things that help shape you and shape your mind and shape who you are. And these are the consequences that are leading Ezra into becoming the kind of man he's supposed to become. He's making mistakes. He's going to keep doing mistakes because as a teenager, Every single one of all of you made mistakes. Mommy, you're getting angry. Mommy, I love it. (laughs) And he is learning exactly the same way that all of you learn about your own mistakes. Exactly. Little by little, step by step. Mm -hmm. It's one step forward, maybe one and a half, but that is how it goes. Yes. Yes. And I've always said the people who write this, they have such an insight into the mind of teenagers because this is exactly how all teenagers behave. Yes. So ultimately, I said that I think Ezra should have gotten punished. Ezra, at the very end, maybe like after the hug. You know how parents remember instances where I would do something and then you would you would say, it's okay, it's okay. And then... I will smack you upside yeah. the head. Yeah. Yes, exactly that. You know, yeah. saying you do sanitation duty or do guard duty or this and that. Like, yeah, I could definitely see it happen. The thing is, I don't see it happening in that instance. The, the episode is too short. It has to do. It has to focus on very vital parts of the story. And in that moment, he realized that his family is important and that that's where he should be. It would have completely interrupted the flow had Ahara said, okay, now you're punished. And blah, 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 this and blah, 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 that. Like, I, I, I get it. He should have been punished. And in terms of what 
kids are learning. Kids are learning that they can make mistakes and that they can come back to Home. the people yes. that they love and be welcome and, and accepted. accepted. Yes, thank you. <laughs> because you make a mistake doesn't mean that that that's it. You're shunned. You're you're, you're, you're out. gone. You're out. You, you need to feel like you can come back home. Yes. And if you're not welcome when you come back home, you will never feel that. So he was welcome back home. Whatever happened afterwards, we don't see it. We don't know it. We can make our, our own stories in our heads. Exactly. But this is a perfect example, a good example to any kid out there. Look, you can make a mistake. You can realize it, but don't be afraid to come back. Yeah. Because we are going to be here. We're your family and we accept you and we love you and we're going to take care of you. <laughs> Mommy, this is beautiful. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Yes to all of this. How can I force everyone to listen to our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and so you have Obi-Wan watching afar and hearing Aunt Beru. <laughs> this was for you. I, I, I'm telling you, the moment I heard this part, I say, oh, my God, this is for John. <laughs> you hear Aunt Beru calling out for Luke and we see Luke running in the distance. Yeah, a, a lot of people were like, I don't want to see Luke at all in this episode. But what a genius way, way of, of showing him, him without actually showing him. Luke. 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 <laughs> I mean, if they ever need me to do that, I will uh, step yeah. in and do it. <laughs> um, and Melissa said the ending scene of this one was a perfect tie into the bigger picture and Obi-Wan's importance. But I was hoping for a bigger showdown between Maul and Obi. But I was glad Obi didn't have to compromise his ideals in the end. And yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. That's also uh, um, a good reason why not to overdo it. Overdo the, yeah. the fight because. We know the type of person Obi-Wan is. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. And I love that the theme, the Force theme was playing in the background. Ah, yes. oh, that was a beautiful touch. Yeah. And Megan said, I felt like the fight between Obi-Wan and Maul was very underwhelming at first. But after thinking about it more and reading other thoughts, it did seem like the right way to go. And as, for, as far as Maul, as much as he was obsessed with finding Obi-Wan for his revenge, I feel deep down Maul wanted Obi-Wan to be the one to finish him. That's why the fight was so short. And that's why, to me, he seemed at peace in the end. I loved the very end with the white shots of Lars Homestead and the binary sunset theme, and it just gave me chills. I teared up. It wasn't my favorite episode of the season, but in my top three, probably. It added to a great second half of season three. I think season three has been fantastic. <laughs> awesome. And again, if you go to StarWars.com and you go through the list of the episodes, you're going to see how awesome this story has gone from the very beginning of the season to the very end of it right now. So going into listener questions and thoughts, Amy said... You know what we need to hear the next episode, right? A little Baru callback is in order. <laughs> Florian also said, Did you hear what Aunt Baru said at the end of the episode? I didn't understand it. Can you please repeat it for me? <laughs> Look! Look! <laughs> it doesn't get old. It really no. doesn't. And so Sandra asked, do you think Maul was ready and wanted to die? Like Vader, do you think Maul was redeemed in his final moments? I don't think that he was redeemed. No. Because redemption 
encompasses more than you just doing one act of good. Or, or, or realizing, yes. coming to this big realization. Mm-hmm. But I do think that he demonstrated humanity. You know what I'm saying? No, I know what you mean. Like, he wasn't just the evil guy anymore. No, no, no. I, I got that. That's what. I, that was the sense that I got from that scene. You know, yeah. he, he was just a person who was wrong, mm-hmm. who, who did wrong things. And while he cannot take it away and make for it, which will be a redeeming part of the whole redemption thing, he realizes a big concept of, of, of the larger picture mm-hmm. of what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Vader, it doesn't absolve him no. of what he's done. He's done very terrible things. Vader did very terrible things. Just because he did that one thing at the end doesn't absolve him of all that. It was very beautiful. But he was still Vader and he did a lot of bad things. And Maul is the same way. And yeah, like you said, the realization of something bigger yeah, was happening. Yeah. That, it was, that it wasn't as much as he may have think that it was all about him. It was not all about him. Right, right. And and I, maybe I think he did in some way want it to die. There comes a point in in someone's life like, like Maul being so tortured and twisted that he wants to go down how in a place he, of glory yeah. in a way that will represent their whole life yeah and this was it mm-hmm. so twice he has, has confronted this man the first time he thought he succeeded in killing him he survived mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now he comes back and what better person to and end the the, the sadness and the suffering and, and the misery, but the same person. Yeah, the same person who actually brought you more of that suffering Same. because of the fact that he had been cut in half. He fell from the power that he had. Just That's his obsession his with, obsession, the, with yeah. Kenobi. Yeah, in that moment, which is why he repeated the same moves that he repeated. And then Carlos asked, would you be okay with seeing Maul again if they decided to animate the Siege of Mandalore? So yes, that scene on Mandalore where there was Ahsoka back after leaving the Jedi Order, then there was Captain Rex and all these other clone troopers with Ahsoka's symbol on their on their helmets. And, and that was the point where Anakin had to go and save Palpatine before everything started to unravel. And Maul was the, the the antagonist in that story. I'd love to see Maul again in that, in that point in time because it, it'd be so cool to see Ahsoka facing him, mm. just like how we saw them in Twilight of the Apprentice. And Patty said, uh, Ezra is a typical teenager when he did not listen to Hera. However, if he did not disobey her, we would not have seen the old Obi-Wan versus Maul confrontation. (laughs) So that's true. You know, one thing led to another. another. His role was that. He was the bridge to to this. Bridger was the bridge. Yes. (laughs) Comment from my hubby Michael about Maul. He is not really a bad character after all. Just someone who was manipulated and left behind who wanted revenge at any cost. So my comment to that was, you can still be bad because this doesn't absolve him of what he's done before. He is still a bad person because he was wanting to kill Kenobi. Just like how he wanted to use Ezra as a means to to an end. There's a definite difference 
between being bad and being evil. Yeah, Palpatine is evil. And Maul was almost there. Yeah, he was on the verge of being Being there. Uh He did a lot of things. There's different degrees. Yes, I, I could feel more empathy for a bad person mm-hmm. who demonstrates that they still care and maybe the things they do are not a result of them wanting to do bad, but the opposite, they're the result of them trying to do good, or at least what they think it's is good. good. Yeah, And a person who just wants to own and possess and command and control yeah and mole was there and and obi-wan said it where he said if you define yourself by your power to take life a desire to dominate to possess then you have nothing so yeah he he was there yeah i can never see palpatine no. uh, admitting anything of that nature no no so the, the, there's definitely like degrees no no yeah yeah Reb Diaz asks, exactly who was the chosen one mentioned? What did that conversation mean exactly? Can't wait to hear your thoughts. So Obi-Wan led Maul to believe that Luke is the chosen one. This is important. Luke isn't the chosen one. Anakin is the chosen one. Obi-Wan lost faith in Anakin and thus assigned the chosen one. In his perspective, the chosen one became Luke because he lost his faith in Anakin. So when he tells Maul that, yes, he is protecting the chosen one, in a way, he's kind of right from his point of view. Yes. (laughs) So it's important to know that Anakin has always been the chosen one. Qui-Gon suspected it and they confirmed it. There was that whole Mortis episodes that we haven't really gotten to in Clone Wars. So yes, Anakin is the chosen one. Obi-Wan believes that he's not anymore because, again, he's lost faith in him and thus assigned that title, that prophecy to... Luke. The son. Yes. If anyone thinks otherwise, please let me know. But that's my understanding of it. <laughs> and and we see it in the older movies, too. He he really believes that Luke is the, the chosen one, the one to bring about the end. He was the one who influenced Anakin, Darth Vader. And Vader was the one to take Palpatine and throw him into the thing like a basketball. So, <laughs> so he was the one. So he, he ultimately was the one to destroy, destroy the, the Sith. Sith. He did it. But he just needed Luke and his love to actually go through with it. Uh, so hopefully that clears things up. JD asked, do you think it's symbolic that Ezra's little trainer A-Wing was replaced by a big deadly fighter? of an independent agent. That, that's a cool comparison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Maul's ship has ties to Mandalore, the Sith, and the Night Sisters. Kenobi rejected, in quote-unquote, rejected Ezra. All hints Ezra's destiny isn't with the Jedi? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess you can take it that way, that Obi-Wan telling him that his path is not here, is not the overall picture, kind of pushes Ezra into a path, maybe, that leads him away from the Jedi. I can see that over time. I, I would hope for that because then that would have him live a bit longer. <laughs> uh, Tamar asked, why do you think Obi-Wan was sad after defeating Maul? 
because Obi-Wan is not more. You are sad when you take a life, even if it's justified. Mm. Killing somebody should never be easy. No. Regardless of the reason, it should never be easy. And it should always make you sad. And Obi-Wan is one of the most Jedi Jedis out there. <laughs> Come on. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. he's the epitome of what Jedi should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you don't go for killing. Mm-mm. And to have to kill doesn't mean that you just dismiss it and you just don't feel it. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, Ryan said, I laughed at Chopper. I loved the perfect samurai duel. I cried at young Luke running home when Amberu called it. Was one of the most perfect Star Wars stories. I wonder how much trouble Ezra is over the A-Wing, though. <laughs> He's probably washing them all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Washing them is definitely mm-hmm. a task I can see him doing. Yeah. <laughs> Franklin's email, he said, Salutations, the use of pieces of the holocrons reminded me of the talisman from the Clone Wars that Mother Talzin gave to Savage Press. That's a great comparison. We actually haven't gotten there in Star Wars The Clone Wars. But yeah, Mother Talzin had given him this talisman and it's led him to Maul, sort mm-hmm. of like the same thing that Ezra experiences. So that's that's cool that you uh, thought of that comparison. So Adjua's email, he said, oh my God, specifically, OMG, <laughs> best sword fight ever. That was a real fight in the samurai tradition. Don't get me wrong. I always find the extended fights in Star Wars entertaining, but as someone who has a black belt in the Japanese martial arts, including sword, I understand they are mostly dances, not real fights. This was closer to a real fight fight in terms of duration. Combat is quick and dirty, not flashy. From the Aya, I-A-I draw in parentheses, he said, um, one could maim or kill an opponent in the first strike or two. I have never been more of an Obi-Wan fan than after this episode. Brought me right back to 1978 when I first saw Star Wars in a theater. The sheer reverence you have when someone says in Alex's voice, which was masterful in this episode, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Put some respect in that on his name. As for Ezra's role, he was critical to the story they were telling. Maul would never have found Kenobi without using him. And though some were questioning why Ezra didn't say anything about Kenobi, being found, you have to give him some credit. Ezra laid all of his hopes and frustrations out on the table once he found old Ben. Ben assured him he already knew what was going on, that he was exactly where he needed to be, and that Ezra was where he should never have come. Bail Organa is at the head of the Rebel Alliance. If he said that Kenobi's death was confirmed and Kenobi is alive and well, also aware of what is going on, then he must put on an important mission that must be kept secret. Between the journey to find Maul's ship and getting back home, Ezra pieces that out. So yeah, that basically laid out what we had talked about before. Very nicely said, though. Yes. (laughs) Very well organized. Yes, very. So that's why, in conclusion, he didn't say... Hey guys, Obi Wan's alive. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's a he smart knows boy. He's, important. he's a smart kid. I mean, he's he, he he's gonna put it together the same way Maul put it together, yeah. and he has additional information like Bale, like Ajua said. 
And Red wrote in and said, this episode took a leap to the series compared to last week. I'm excited to see what you two thought of it. Though I thought the final fight between Obi-Wan and Maul was well done, I thought the episode could have benefited from some buildup to the fight throughout the episode. After finishing it, I felt like I just watched Ezra walk around for 15 minutes. (laughs) Maul and Obi-Wan insult each other for two minutes and then death. (laughs) On the other hand, the plot with Ezra was interesting, pretty, and well done and so I wouldn't want it cut out talking it over with friends we felt it might have worked better if the episode was about five minutes longer so some time could be dedicated to building up the fight throughout Ezra's story it couldn't happen because of channel constraints but is this something you agree with or not I, I, oh no, uh, definitely. I, I I always want more time with the episodes. If they no, can grab some few minutes, there's yeah. a lot a lot that is lost in between. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's all and, editing. And it's something that you have to as 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 an audience member, you have to fill in the and blanks. Exactly. Yeah, yourself. And, and sometimes I will. I don't really want to fill the blanks. I want the blanks filled. By the people that that are creating such beautiful scenery, you know? Yeah, I agree. My my mind doesn't imagine that beautiful things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then they go on to say, since Maul is dead, it's unlikely Ezra can be manipulated by Maul any longer. However, the reason he could be manipulated by Maul in the first place was because he was too quick to trust someone he knew little about. Do you think Ezra's journey and experience with Maul will serve as a warning to him to not trust others as quickly or will it impact him in some other way? I don't see Ezra losing who he is. Ezra is going to trust. He's he's going to see the good in people. He's going to see the good in that people. Who, that is who he is. That is his nature. Will he be a little bit hesitant? Casual, yeah. Cash, cautious? Yeah. And hesitant? Yes, I don't, I don't doubt it. But in the end, he's still going to trust <laughs> because that's who he is. To be any different will mean that he has let he you see growing up is not just about learning and changing it's also about embracing who you are and developing the person that you're supposed to become Ezra is a good person it's a good person that he trusts it it, it loves cares and all of those have to be fed to be bigger and better. So to say that his experiences will take away from that is not really giving him the opportunity to grow in the way that he's supposed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will hate to see Ezra change in that way. Mm -hmm. Yes, want him to be a bit more cautious, you know. For sure, yeah. Question a little bit more, but not to change in a way where he, he no longer... Is himself. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they go on to say, I loved seeing Ezra's pajamas. This struck me as <laughs> <laughs> this struck me as kind of strange that he seems to be the only character in the series with pajamas though. Time constraints probably stopped them from giving everyone a whole new outfit, but it still seems weird to me that Zeb and Callus, back in through Imperial Eyes, both sleep still wearing armor and protective gear. So this is a little exercise for you two and what could have been. What would everyone wear for pajamas? <laughs> If there'd been enough time for them to be added in. Oh, my pajamas has holes everywhere. (laughs) I can see Kanan being shirtless because, uh, you know, it's Kanan. (laughs) Yes, And then he'd have green pants. Hera would actually be wearing his shirt. (laughs) And she'd be wearing shorts. Sabine, 
I can see wearing like a baseball tee <laughs> uh, that says Sabine in the back with the num- with number, with her number, number. Her, her Spectre number, uh-huh. uh, Spectre 5. And I can also see her in either pants or shorts. And Zeb, I see in a onesie. <laughs> <laughs> Zeb in a onesie. Chopper would have the little nightcap. <laughs> in his little arrator. In his little, yeah, the little, that's what he would have. <laughs> and finally, there's a recurring theme this season of Ezra letting down those he loves and cares about because he's afraid. This was shown mostly as the, at the start of the season, but also crops up here where his fear of Maul causes Chopper to follow him through the sand and temporarily break. Do you think this theme will come to a close in season finale in the season finale next week? Only one more episode of the season left. I hope it's a good one and I hope you to enjoy it. Red. I don't think that is a common theme that he lets people down. No. Because I don't think he's letting people down. And I don't think his family, Ezra, uh, sorry, Hera and Kanan and everybody else thinks that. But I do think that he is going to make um, many decisions that are not necessarily in line with that of the group. Mm-hmm. And it's part of his growth. It's part of his testing the waters and learning to be on its own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that none of the other members have ever behaved or said or done anything that leads anyone to believe that Ezra has let them down. down. My daughter sometimes can say things that I don't necessarily agree with. I, I agree with. That doesn't let me down. I'm very proud of the person that, that she's become and of the adult that she's become and uh, of the way she carries herself. Adult in quotes. Yes, in quotes. <laughs> uh, of the way she carries her, herself. Any mistakes that she makes don't let me down. They concern me. They, they yeah. make me worried. Yeah. But they don't let me down because I know that at the core of everything, she is a good person. She has good values and she knows what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't think that they're let down. We can all agree that he was, he, he should have done that, that he should have been there, that yeah. he was part of the story. He needed and to the be. only way he was going to be part of that story is by breaking the rules mm-hmm. and saying, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm going to do this even though you don't like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a very tricky balance. It is. It really is. Yeah. Last email is from Stella. It's more of a just an analysis of the of the character, not really questions. I just really wanted to read it because it, it made me cry, and I was just like, there are other people who love Ezra as much as I do. Yay! <laughs> so Stella said, "Hi guys, love the podcast. I crack up every time you get onto a fun tangent, whether it's." about Star Trek, Rush Hour, or, or life in general. Maria's comments about family responsibility, raising kids, and dealing with teenagers have caused me to mentally rename your podcast How to Train Your Padawan or Jedi Parenting 101. <laughs> 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 but Wookiee Gunner's the best. Uh, after listening to Rebels Recon and rewatching the episode Twin Sons, I realized what a challenge the writers must have had to allow Ezra's journey to progress while not interfering with the events of A New Hope. Unlike Star Trek, there's no time travel or fixing the time timeline in Star Wars. (laughs) Getting to see Obi-Wan watch over Luke from afar 
confirmed his own duties that are separate from Ezra and the Rebel Alliance. Speaking of Luke and Ezra, Obi-Wan's advice to them is strikingly similar. He tells both teens that their destinies are different from his own and what they perceive as the truth is different from the facts as they are. Putting kids back on track and helping their droids, yep, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi for you. Destiny is the word I identify for Luke, but responsibility is what defines Ezra to me. Luke is the anticipated chosen one, but that does not make Ezra's journey any less crucial to the story. If anything, Ezra's actions have directly impacted the rebellion so that it is the thriving alliance Luke strives to assist when his own journey begins. The girls' crew, the rebel alliance, and Kanan's rise to the rank of Jedi Knight have all been impacted for the better thanks to Ezra Bridger. Regarding Ezra's journey to Tatooine, my first impulse was to question why the story writers sent him on a journey to a place he should never have been to and to meet someone who advised him to leave. But the hero's journey is seldom clear and direct. Ezra has taken many falls throughout three seasons, but he isn't too proud to admit his mistakes and always goes back to correct himself. It reminds me of Alfred Pennyworth in Batman Begins, who reminds Bruce Wayne, why do we fall so that we learn to pick ourselves up? Ezra is constantly learning from his errors. Like the season 3 opening episode, in Twin Sons, Ezra had good intentions, but he lost his way, physically and metaphorically, and fell prey to Maul's tricks. But he confessed his errors and listened to Obi-Wan's advice, just as he listens to Kanan's discipline and corrected himself. John Marie, I share your love of Ezra Bridger, and I will constantly defend him from those who underestimate him. In three seasons, he's matured from a cocky, self-centered street thief to an aspiring Jedi Padawan and rebel fighter. I'm glad that you point out his strength is his empathy and ability to help others as it inspires people to build their rebellion together. Looking forward to seeing where his journey goes in the fourth season. Thanks for reading my email and may the force be with you, Stella. So I thought that was a very beautifully written, well said email. And uh, I love Ezra. That's all I got to (laughs) say. So to wrap up, that's it for today's episode. Stay tuned for our next Rebels Chat where we'll discuss the season three finale, Zero Hour, part one and part two, which airs on March 25th. Oh my God, Jonah! So Mommy saw the clip from Rebels Recon and her face, she looked like... It looked like it was the beginning of the end. And, and Maz, what did you say? I can't, I can't believe I, I can't let believe you. I can't believe you let, you, I let you get me into these things. Because <laughs> she's afraid. She's afraid for the characters' fates. God. My, and then Callus sent that mission. Callus. He sent that transmission and it stopped midway, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, make sure to rate and comment on iTunes and Stitcher. <laughs> Visit thewookiegunner.com and follow Rebel Chat and the Wookie Gunner on Twitter. And may the force be with you. Always. <laughs>